Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up. And I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Welcome, everybody. This is Pasha Marlowe, and it's the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I am here today with Angela Lacascio, rhymes with pistachio, and she goes by Mama Pistachio, which I totally dig. Angela is a clinical sexologist and a certified sex coach. Mm -hmm. And um, I met Angela through a Brave on Purpose Facebook group, I believe. And so we're already in alignment on so many topics, but I'm excited to bring her in today uh, to talk about all things pleasure. So welcome, Mm -hmm. Angela. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you. Great. Yeah. I, sometimes I meet people and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, obviously we need to meet. Obviously we need to have a conversation <laughs> and will you be on my podcast? It's just like this instant uh, connection. And then when we met, interestingly, we found out we had all these other um, commonalities, which I would have never yeah. expected. And, and frankly, looking at us, somebody might not expect that you're a military wife and I was a military wife. I was like, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Perspective. And I love that we, neither of us uh, fit into the traditional mold. of Right. Get out of that tiny little box that is created for us. Exactly. Exactly. So we had the box uh, that to fit in around patriarchy and then, and then beyond that, going into the world of military. Yeah. That's a whole other thing, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um. We also found out that both of us uh, were inspired to do this pleasure work uh, from a place of pain and illness. Mm -hmm. So will you tell us the story of how you came to this work? Sure. Um, You know, when I was 15, um, I, I said that I wanted to be a sex therapist. Like that was my goal. And then, you know, all the shit happened in life where I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I didn't feel safe doing that. I definitely didn't feel supported in that, um, you know, with my very traditional family. And um, and so I really let that go like way off to the side. So for a very, very long time, I was not my true self. Um, And I was trying to learn all about BDSM and kink and all of these things that I was interested in without a safe space to do that. And then um, go way down the road. I'm in my 30s, 35, and I'm sick. And I'm really sick, sick for a year and trying so hard to get the doctors to listen to me. Mm my regular doctor, the special, um, gynecological doctor. And, um, and then another, (laughs) another regular doctor to get a different opinion because they're like, Oh, you know, you're just, you're just stressed. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, no, what's stressing me. Mm-hmm. And of course there's stress. There's lots and lots of stress. We're born as women. We're born with stress. <laughs> the patriarchy stresses us and it's handed down through, through generations. And it actually shows up in our genetic framework. Um, and there's a whole bunch of science to prove that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what was really stressing me out at that point, And this goes right along with that whole patriarchy is these doctors were not listening to me. They were discounting what I was saying as stress, adding more stress to it mm-hmm. because I was bleeding mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was at the point where I was taking four iron pills a day and that really messes with your system. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, super pale. I was bruising like crazy. Um, couldn't have sex or any kind of pleasure. Like don't touch me anywhere down there, please. Um, hormone rages, my skin was going crazy and they were doing all of these invasive tests. Um, pap smears were normal. Um, no sign of disease of any kind, all, um, the STD testing and everything negative. Um, and you know, the invasive vaginal ultrasounds and going to specialists and nobody actually took a moment to just look with their eyes, with their eye (laughs) and look. Mm. And I worked, um, I was an ESL teacher Mm -hmm. Um, in a public school and I worked in a low income community and there was a doctor that served that population. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to go to this doctor. He, people love him. I went to him and within 24 hours, I had a cancer diagnosis Wow! because he looked, he didn't do anything invasive, nothing that was super expensive, nothing that made him money. Right. Right. And he looked and I had a, a stage two Mm -hmm. tumor. Um, with two different types of cancer mm-hmm. and ended up having a radical hysterectomy. And um, I'm very lucky to say that I did not have to go through chemo or radiation because with the radical hysterectomy, they were able to get all of the margins and they were able to get it out. Excellent. Yeah. And how and, did you going through that come to a place of wanting to embrace pleasure? Um that's when I really started looking at stress, right. Mm-hmm. And saying, okay, let's look at this whole idea of stress and try to start understanding it. Um, because it really hit me, um, that all of my anger and resentment and rage and frustration, yeah. um, was all going to a place on my body that I was not, that is very focused on being a woman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. Um, my womb, you know, <laughs> this is, it's, it's very much part of being a woman. And so I started looking at it and saying, I have this masculine side about me that I'm denying mm-hmm. that I'm not attending to because I'm in a relationship, um, with a man who didn't appreciate that, mm-hmm. um, who he was a wonderful man, a really, really wonderful, beautiful human being, but he was intimidated by my sexuality Um, I, I am queer Mm -hmm. and, and I'm kinky (laughs) and I love sex and I love pleasure. And I really took all of that and put that way off to the side in order to fit in the box that society says you should be when you're a mom and you're a teacher. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, people look at my tattoos and they look at my hair and the way that I dress and they're like, oh, are you a tattoo artist? Do you do hair? And that is wonderful. Those are wonderful professions, but sure. nobody saw me as that highly professional woman with a master's degree. Right. Right. And so I really tried hard to fit in that box um, mm. and it didn't work for me and it showed up with some physical signs. So that got me down the road and it took me a while before I got this, this degree in clinical sexology. Um, but, um, that's what spurred it on and said, you have to be you. Yes. And if you're not, you're going to pay. Yes. There's so much research about holding a secret or truth in your body, how it comes out as chronic illness and pain. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's something that is, um, not spoken of enough, certainly not in doctor's offices, but even in, you know, therapist's offices and such. So I'm so glad that as a sexologist, that that you're having these conversations with people, because I think for some of us, it shows up as pelvic pain for others of us, it shows up as, you know, chronic throat pain, Mm -hmm. back pain, whatever it is. And I think that each one of those is sometimes energetically aligned with the emotions that we're holding on to. I've had chronic when I wasn't speaking my truth, I had chronic throat tightness and pain and difficulty swallowing and difficulty singing and taking deep breaths. And as soon as I released my truths, it, it loosened yes. up. And then the connection between the throat <laughs> chakra and the sacral chakra, like I opened up my throat and all of a sudden my sexuality was yeah. revealed. And I'm like, I was not e- expecting that. I just needed to say I was angry. And like you, you're holding on to anger and rage. It's so mm-hmm. interesting you said that. As soon as I released my anger about patriarchy and infidelity, and I can tell you other things, but just mostly those, my pelvic area started to open up and reveal other secrets that I didn't even know I was holding on to. Right. Right. And, and, and things that were, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's really scary to acknowledge and look at because that doesn't fit within the shoulds. Right. Right. (laughs) Patriarchy shoulds all over us. And then we end up shooting all over ourselves. (laughs) So true. So true. Yeah. Yes. And in your work, you say you bring a lot of mindfulness into Mm -hmm. it. How so? So um, in my work with my clients, and I actually work with other um, sex coaches and allied professionals to bring this um, trauma-informed mindfulness into their practice as well. Um, And that is to acknowledge, let's look at these places in your body. How is this feeling right now? Um, whether I'm on a phone call with a client or whether I'm, you know, physically looking at them, sometimes it's a little easier when you physically can see them and maybe they're constantly doing this. Mm. That tells you something. And so addressing that and, you know, I have people come to me who are like, there's something wrong with me. I want to want to have sex, but I don't want to. Right. Want to, want to. I hear that yeah, a lot. Yes. Exactly. I want to, want to, but I don't want to. Um, and I'm like, okay, full stop. Let's look at all of these other things that come into play with our sexuality. And um, I always say that I stand on the shoulders of these other amazing women in the field. One of them happens to be Emily Nagoski, mm-hmm. who wrote the amazing book, um, Come As You Are. And actually version two is coming out. She's got some new research. Um, Nothing is taken away from it because it's all still valid, but she's got some new stuff coming out. And I think it's in later in February. So I'm super excited for that. Wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, and so in her book, she talks a lot about um, the emotions, the fight, 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 flight, freeze, and um, and how we have to go through this entire, I call this emotional masturbation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of, when somebody has a consultation with me, we immediately address three things. And that's that personal identity thing that we were just talking about. I call that becoming. And then this emotional masturbation, how do you go through that stress response cycle? And are you allowing it to finish? Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, physical movement. I talk with my clients about that. And, and, you know, are you sitting in one place a lot? Are you jittery and addressing those things, bringing mindfulness to all aspects of their life because pleasure isn't, you have to have pleasure out of the bedroom in order to be able to have pleasure in the bedroom. So agreed. So agreed. And before I forget, um, Emily went on to write the book burnout with her sister. Um, and yes. they're both brilliant books, both must reads. Um, yes, absolutely. Get that on your reading list. Get it on and your really fun audio reads, right? Like yes. if you, if you go to, um, like Libro FM and you get the audio books of that, it's just, they're, they're hilarious. These two yeah. these sisters are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed one of their interviews with Brene Brown. Um, it was yeah. so fun, so fun listening to them. And you said that you can't have pleasure in the bedroom unless you have pleasure outside of the bedroom. And so go ahead and um, tell us what you mean by that. Well, I mean, this is really what you work on, right? Like there are so many things that happen in our everyday life. There are beautiful things. I can be sitting here right now. I'm getting all kinds of pleasure because I'm having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. This is a way of completing the stress response cycle is having an intimate connection with another person. So that's one way of having pleasure. So whether it be playing with your dog, going for a walk, laughing your ass off, um, looking at stupid memes on Reddit that, you know, 40 year old women aren't supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> sending a dick pic to your friend, you know, whatever, all of these little pleasures release stress in us and let our bodies feel safe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that when it does come time to having the pleasure in the bedroom or wherever you decide to have that sexual pleasure, right. um, you are able to, because the brakes aren't on. Yes. Yes. I love that. And what do you recommend for people who are at that point where they're starting to establish pleasure, pleasure practices and principles outside of the bedroom, and then they feel ready to bring it into the bedroom, but their partner is not Mm -hmm. at that same level of interest or desire or need. So there's that need desire discrepancy. Yeah. Um, And this is so common and, and it's this right here is a fear that many people have that keeps them from incorporating more pleasure in their life to begin with. Yes. How is it going to change me? And then therefore, how is it going to change my relationships? Mm -hmm. So number one, we have to address that. (laughs) And, and, and you have to ask some really hard questions. You know, I, I flat out ask, is this something that is going to be a deal breaker for you? Where are your boundaries around this? Are you willing to not have pleasure? Are you willing to not have sex? Um, Are you willing to only pleasure yourself and have masturbation as one of these practices? Um, What other types of pleasure can you and your partner have? Um, You know, if your partner is absolutely unwilling to have that conversation, to work with a therapist, 
to work on any of their own issues or to come as a couple and work with me or another sex coach. Um, are you willing to let go of that relationship because that's in your best interest? Or are you just willing to let go of the the sexual relationship and the intimacy aspects and still stay in the relationship uh, without that physical? Right. And then, and, and that's where that comes in. So when somebody says, no, absolutely not, then I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you, there are some options that you have for having all kinds of pleasure, even though there's this huge desire discrepancy and this is something you must deal with the emotional aspects of it. Okay. When I start talking about having open relationships or um, polyamory, which is a beautiful, beautiful way to have a really healthy relationship with somebody who you're married to and still both of you still getting your needs met, Mm -hmm. but you do have to address any emotional pieces that might be there. And that might still include working with a therapist or talking with a coach Um, coaches don't do therapy. They're not going to work on, they can be trauma informed. I'm trauma informed, but I'm not going to help you work through the process Mm -hmm. of the emotions. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, I'll work on the mindfulness piece of it, but I'm not going to dig in and, and therapize anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so addressing all of those and having those really honest conversations with my clients of saying, these are the options that you have because what a beautiful way to keep a marriage. And this is something as a military wife, Mm -hmm. there are huge, especially the Marines. There are huge, the divorce rate is freaking ridiculous. This podcast is sponsored by Krista Hoppala, sexologist and consciousness guide. I am proud to say that Krista is my own personal sexologist, the woman I turn to when I need to refresh my own pleasure practices. I highly recommend her to my clients and friends. Her website is kristahoppala.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-H-A-A-P-A-L-A.com. Lots of A's, or as I say, lots of ah's. It's all pleasure with this woman. Check her out. Yes. In the military on the whole, but you're saying within the uh, Marines specifically. Yeah. The Marines have a, can't even think of the word of it. I love it when words, a reputation for having, you know, a lot of domestic, a lot of domestic abuse, a lot of unhappy marriages. Um, and, and when you read it, it's like, wow, um, Hmm. very interesting. Um, but yet I see that I see a lot of unhappiness. Um, and a lot of that is around sexual frustration. Interesting. When you're 19, 20 years old, um, and I see a lot of these people because my husband is in, my husband is 29 and I am 43. Okay. So when he entered into the military, I was already older and, you know, we don't have the same issues in our relationship that people who are 19 years old do. But those are the people who are in the surrounding community. And those are the people who I see. And when you're 19 years old and your partner goes on a deployment for a year and you haven't addressed the emotional needs of sex and touch and pleasure for each of you, Mm -hmm. then infidelity happens and, and marriages dissolve. Yes. And that is really sad because they don't have to. Yes. I saw that a lot when I was a Navy wife, Um, my first husband in the Navy 
the amount of anything from um, infidelity to abuse to addictions. Yeah. It was rampant. mental health disorders. Yeah. Because everything is so taboo. Thank you, patriarchy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many taboos around all of these things that we're talking about right now. Yeah. And what if that was an option? Because right. honestly, if somebody, if you're in the military and somebody finds out that you're in a polyamorous relationship, you can get um, NJP'd and have all kinds of stuff happen to you because somehow your sexuality should be monitored. They see it as immoral or unethical. Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, it's a very unethical thing that you're doing and that, you know, puts a stamp on the entire organization. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot that we could say there, but we probably don't need to go into know, on this one. You can tell we're both like, yeah, there's a whole lot of backstory there we could go into, but we're just going to leave yeah. it there, right? But what if relationships that have these kinds of things, long distance relationships, um, relationships that have these mandated separations, mm -hmm. um, physical separations. What if you're having those conversations of my love language is touch. And I really need not only that sexual release that I can get myself for masturbation, but also that physical touch from another person. I need to feel the weight, the pressure on my body of somebody laying on top of me. Mm -hmm. Um, or I need, I need this kink. This kink mm -hmm. is something that I need to have in order to feel pleasure. And then being able to explore that and have that and still have a really solid friendship and, um, beautiful merit marital relationship with your partner. Yes. That could change the world. Absolutely. And I find it so interesting that as I continue down this path of pleasure and specifically talking to uh, now many people who identify in the LGBTQ community, how uh, almost across the board, how surprisingly understanding their partners have been, not all the time, but most of the time it's turned into this lovely, graceful dialogue of needs and desires and different love languages. And there are so many options and compromises um, within a consenting relationship. There's a lot yeah. of beauty that can come from those very difficult, I understand, conversations that feel taboo, that feel like you can't have them. Like, I can't talk about this with my partner, much less my, some people say, I can't even talk to, about this with myself. And right. then they're holding those secrets for, towards themselves inside their body. And that causes a, a whole lot of pain. Yeah. Literally you have part of yourself locked away in a box right. inside of you. Right. And that part of you is not living, is not growing, is mm -hmm. just withering away. And it's always there, you know, even if you aren't acknowledging it, that, that sense of emptiness or restlessness yeah. seems to be present all the time until you release it. Yeah. And, and in my work, a lot of times, um, cause I work with a lot of women who are in heterosexual, heteronormative relationship, and they're coming out to themselves as right. sexual or lesbian or polyamorous or whatever, but they're not yet ready to um, do anything about it. Like there, there's no action necessarily. It's all still thought and fantasy and, and um, conversation and yeah. that that's okay too. It doesn't mean if you, if you speak your truth, one, not, not, nothing has to change necessarily and everything doesn't have to fall apart and burn. I think that's the fear is yeah. if, I, if I say I'm bisexual, like 
I'll, I'll lose everything. I'll lose my marriage. I'll lose my car, my house, my kid. Like you go down this rabbit hole yeah. of fear and I don't think everything has to fall apart. You just have to. Have no, a- it doesn't. And one of the things that we are afraid of is that it's going to negate that heterosexual relationship. Right. Right. Or that it's going to negate a queer relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, it definitely doesn't have to just because for the first time, you're, let's say you're 37 years old. And for the first time in your life, you're like, I think I like women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my God, my whole life has been a lie. <laughs> oh my God. All of this stuff has it, it, been wasted. It hasn't mattered. And that is not the case at all. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, there's still so much integrity in the decisions you made when you made them. And, right. um, and it's, it's, it's empowering to realize that at any moment, whether you're married for you know two or 20 years or beyond, and whether you have kids or grandkids, even you can, you can always, no matter how old you are, um, stop and claim your truth, claim your desires and know that they might change. Like right. I, I identify as bisexual today, but I'm open to expansion or changing my mind. That's right. what I do. Right. right. You have the right. And yes. guess what? You have permission yeah. to change your mind. Go figure. It's okay. okay. We aren't taught that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You know, it is perfectly okay. I used to dress like a soccer mom. I mean, I did it because I thought that I needed to, but I embraced that shit for a long ass time. And then guess what? I changed my mind and decided that's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a lot happier for it too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I think when we, when we met, I told the story of, I went to my first Navy wife party in a Greenpeace shirt. Um, and the philosophy of Greenpeace does not match the 30 year old, uh, Naval philosophy, but nonetheless, um, and then I would quickly realize that that was not acceptable. And I think I even threw it away. Like I threw it away. Oh my and, gosh, yeah. yeah. And and with that went, you know, the funky clothes, the funky earrings, the stickers on my car, the, you know, just a little bit more offbeat, colorful things that I really enjoyed doing. And, you know, you get smaller and smaller and smaller until finally you're, you're disappearing. You you feel like you have to play small to fit in and, yeah. and you can't, it's hard to find your way out. So I'm so glad people like you are out there who, who understand that dynamic and can hold space for people who are in that, um, in that space. In that yeah. Feeling. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. And just because I'm a coach doesn't mean that I know it all. <laughs> Like I go through this process every day. Yesterday I sat with my coach um, and, and talked about this exact thing. Like I want to make sure that I am intentionally showing up as 100% my authentic self. And how does that look with my branding and and how I'm talking and the words that I use and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can change and evolve and, you can be like a really strong businesswoman and be totally branded and have all of that stuff out there. Cause I know there's some of you listening to this right now. You can have your brand and your brand can change. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and a successful businesswoman doesn't have to wear 
a button down shirt or have a polished photograph sitting at a desk with like a pen in her hand and, and flowers on her side. And, That's you know, right. Doesn't have I'm to a successful look like- businesswoman. And look what I have on my desk. What do you have? Oh, wait, uh, that doesn't look like a successful businesswoman. Something does it, but well, for those that are not watching on video and just listening, um, it's like a skeleton head. And I always laugh because as I look around my very messy desk, I have, <laughs> you know, goofy clown sunglasses and a Volvo, yeah. and a Volvo puppet and a oh, whole lot of weird jewelry that just lights me up because yes. when I forget who I am. One of the first things I do, and I don't know what you do, but one of the first things I do is put on colorful jewelry or clothes. It just, it just reminds me that that's in alignment with my personality. What do you do when you're feeling? Um, okay. Well, first of all, my hair is like this big, massive, massive fluff. Yes, and so like great, long, curly, vivacious hair with yes. awesome, gray, <laughs> curly streak in the front. Yeah. So I do something with that. And usually it's like, I throw it up on my head and it's just like this mess of stuff everywhere. Um, and I love it. And my Doc Martens. Oh, Doc Martens. Are they, are, what, are, what color are they? Um, oh, well, I have multiple colors. I have black ones. I have burgundy ones. I have knee high black ones with roses going up them. Um, and when I have those on, I feel like I can just take on the world. I love it. I love that you said um, Doc Martens because when I um, on the on the cover of my new book, which is coming out next week, my next, my next husband will be a lesbian. On the cover is a bride, um, a traditional bride in white dress, whatever, holding a bouquet of rainbow colored roses, and one of her shoes is the very uncomfortable, typical, you know, high heeled, mm-hmm. terrible wedding shoe. But the other one is this boot with flowers on it and bright red laces because yes. for me. When I'm wearing my boots, which is a little bit Laura Ingalls, my obsession with Little House on the Prairie, but I don't care. There's this part of me that's like, like really, um, really quite innocent and Pollyannish. But then there's this other part that wears my boots, the same boots, who feels like, like sexy and and wild. And that one boot, this one red boot I have just feels like I'm me. And so, yeah, in the cover, it's like one boot and one shoe or one high yeah, heel shoe. I love that. I mean, that's such a great visual and and a great metaphor for um, really showing up as who we are. We all, um, there's this great documentary out there called The Gender Code. Oh. Um, it's on YouTube, but you can watch it for free. Um, it's just The Gender Code and it's by Luca, L-U-K-A. Okay. Um, and it is really a great documentary talking about how all of us have the masculine and the feminine within us. Mm. And that's where that gender spectrum comes from. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of places. It's not just male, female. Right. Um, there's all of these places on there that we can fall and how our sexuality goes along with that and how right brain thinking, left brain thinking, it's really, really good. And to me, that's, that's what that picture represents. Awesome. I love that. Yes. Yes. And I love that, you know, as we talk about these binary concepts, you know, it's, it's neither masculine and feminine or male and female, neither black nor white. It's like, I love that it's becoming, I hope so inclusive and connected and and messy, totally messy, but, um, but real. And um, I love that that's where we're evolving and um, progressing. 
Yes. Yeah, having these conversations so that people can start living their life and really experiencing that pleasure way, way, way early. Because unfortunately, what happens, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I stopped really experiencing like full amounts of pleasure when I was about three. I don't even remember. Yeah. You know, my mom tells me a story of how we were at the store and I wanted a pair of sunglasses. Mm. Um, and so I picked them up and I looked at them and then I put them away and she's like, why don't you get those? And I said, dad can't afford it Mm. at three, at three years old. When you're looking at that and looking at money, yeah, you're not experiencing the massive amounts of pleasure that you can have in your life. So at three years old, when you are told that you can't play with a doll, when that's what you want to play with, or that you can't play, um, that you can't run around without your shirt on because, Mm. Right. That's inappropriate for girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're a girl and you can't do that. Um, That right there starts putting those thoughts in your head and creating stress so that you are unable to experience pleasure to its fullest. Imagine that. Think about this for everybody who's listening right now. Think about your child being unable to experience pleasure, full pleasure that they should be able to experience at two, three, four years old. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's those tiny little comments like, no, girls, girls can't walk around without their shirt on. Right. You know, those little comments that start to build that um, shame that yep. stays with us. Yeah. Yep. And that's when our voices are taken away and our pleasure is taken away and often our truths. So, yep. Yeah. And we start experiencing things like, rashes that are unexplained, diseases, getting more colds and having a compromised immune system and juvenile arthritis and um, asthma and all of these things, diabetes, eating disorders, all of these things that are happening with our children um, younger and younger and younger. Yes. Um, I really, truly believe that it has to do with the, the stress that we hold the inability to release that um, through pleasurable activities that we're told are bad and shameful and taboo. Yes. Let us continue our mission of releasing that shame. Um, One of the questions I always ask my guests is on the days that are really shitty and hard and dark, Mm -hmm. challenging, how do you still access pleasure? Like how do you sprinkle pleasure into the really dark days? Um, my dog Mm. is, I mean, yeah, she, two minutes of sitting down and loving on her. Um, sometimes I, I definitely engage in activities to release the stress to complete that stress response cycle. Mm -hmm. So it might be going for a walk. It might be dancing. It might be, um, laughing. Um, it might be masturbation might be sitting in the shower. Um, and I don't have a one go-to that I do every single time because mm-hmm. it, like, I really try to stop and think for a minute and say, what is something maybe that I haven't been doing Yes, that I could do right now? Yes. And then that's usually the one that I choose because it's the fact that I've not been doing something that I like that increases my stress and makes it more difficult to be resilient on those shit days. I love that, that, that rather than accessing, well, you know, 
masturbation always works or going for a walk always works that you're actually choosing the one you haven't chosen in a long while that could be the the missing piece to the puzzle or the key to finding that pleasure again. I love that. Yay. Good tip. Mama pistachio in the house. Pistachio because it looks like a vulva. I think that's awesome. And it rhymes with your last name. It's the nuttiest little vulva you'll ever see. I love that tagline. (laughs) So adorable. Um, How can people reach you, Angela? Um, Mamapistachio.com. Awesome. And um, you can also reach out to me through email, Angela at mamapistachio.com. And I have a, um, on Instagram at the mama pistachio, Mm -hmm. which is also my Facebook page. And I have a women's group on Facebook Mm -hmm. that is um, called village Virago. And you're welcome to uh, message me and find out what I mean by Virago because that's a whole story in and of itself. Um, So come on over to the village and we'll have all kinds of fun. Yay. That all sounds delightful. I can't wait to continue to follow you and join your groups and follow your work. I can't wait to read your book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yay. One more week. Um, So if anybody wants to continue the conversation with me or reach out to me, please feel free to go to my website, PashaMarlo.com or Facebook and Instagram and Clubhouse. It's Pasha Marlo. So it's super easy to remember and find me. And if you liked this podcast, I hope you did, please consider leaving a review, uh, giving us some stars, giving us some feedback, and then sharing it and subscribing would be brilliant. And so very appreciated as we're starting out trying to build momentum and interest and um, spread the word of pleasure. So thank you, Angela, so very much for your time and energy and uh, kindness. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Yes. Yay.